Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Hey, this is Bridget, and you're listening to Stuff Bomb Never Told You. And quick trigger warning for y'all. This episode is about alcohol. So if that is something that is tough for you or that you're struggling with, just know that's what we're talking about today. My good friend Annie and I are taking a look back on some of the episodes that we really liked, one of which was Women and Whiskey. I loved this one, Bridget. It was so fun to hear you and Emily let loose a little bit yeah. uh, with your rotom rye, which I am determined to try. There's a half a bottle in my apartment as we speak. We can go have some. I you're going to regret asking me. <laughs> I will be there. <laughs> I am a big whiskey connoisseur, but probably not really. I enjoy a lot of whiskey is what I'm trying to say. And I was really interested in the history of it. And this episode did not disappoint. Yeah, I had no idea that that whiskey had such an amazing feminist history. So that was really interesting to learn about. I also didn't know about the history of whiskey and sex work, which was a complete yeah. surprise to me. That was really, really interesting research. I also just really liked drinking whiskey on the microphone. That I think it's okay to tell the listeners that you and I are having a little bit of a drink right now in studio. So if we sound a little loosey-goosey, that might be why. Uh, <laughs> I think it's, it's fun. It's fun to go back and listen to that episode. I feel like I remember it like it was yesterday. Yeah, uh, and it was such a joy to hear. And also, I love the... Uh, right now, there's Jane Walker. Have you heard about this? Mm. Oh, no? Okay. Well, Johnny Walker has introduced Jane Walker, a different label, just a different label on the product because they they thought that women are intimidated by whiskey. So they wanted to be like, hey, ladies, cool. So uh, it's the same product? It's a different label? Just Jane Walker. Yeah. How dumb do they think women are? Pretty, pretty dumb, I would guess. <laughs> but it's it's fascinating to me that women were so instrumental in early whiskey and the making of and selling of and transporting of. 
But it has become this man's drink. Mm -hmm. It's seen that way. And I think when women drink whiskey, the perception is, oh, she's a cool woman. She's a sexy, dark, you know. She's a cool girl. Exactly. They've got these whiskey commercials on TV now with Mila Kunis. Yeah. And in these commercials, it's Mila Kunis, who is clearly like a a sexy, beautiful woman. Yeah. And she's at the bar looking very mysterious. Another woman is at the bar, and and she looks at a coaster that has a whiskey brand on it. I think it's Johnny Walker Black, but I can't remember. And Mila Kunis says, it's not just a coaster. It's an invitation. And the woman is like, oh, I should order a whiskey. And then she looks up, and Mila Kunis is gone. Was she ever there in the first place? Who knows? Black Swan. Yeah, it's very... Again, it's so it's it, it's clearly we're clearly meant to think that women who drink whiskey are mysterious. They're and not dark like other and, girls. Yeah, they're not like perhaps they're magical in some way, right? And yeah, that's obviously bullshit. I mean, I drink whiskey, but I drink all the things. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I'm drinking, an equal opportunity drunk. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. just kidding. <laughs> I enjoy a wide range of liquors, but I will say that when I drink whiskey, when I order it at a bar, there's usually at least one guy that looks my way and gives me an assessing like up and down and then maybe a a wink or something as if I've done some amazing thing by ordering this whiskey. So he's like, oh, you're all right, honey. Yeah. Like, what, oh. if, you had, what if you had ordered a vodka soda? He'd be like, oh, oh yeah, he vodka po- soda. Probably. What a nag. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be with her. She's not going to be any fun at all. <laughs> and I, I personally am fascinated with those kind of gendered food and drink items. Like, it, women are traditionally associated with lighter, clearer alcohols and men. The darker kind. And when you think about, I think you talked about it in the episode, like Mad Men. Mm-hmm. They were drinking whiskey in their office. And the women, no, not allowed to participate in that. Clear liquors only, please. Yeah. I mean, are you a woman or not? <laughs> <laughs> and if, I like your 20s lady accent. I am glad to hear that because you'll be uh, getting a lot, of, a lot of doses of it because I love doing it. The transatlantic accent is so fun to do. It's divine. I like it. It is. But I don't... that. Association with a woman who orders whiskey or, or this darker drink that women don't normally drink, in quotes, and then you put all these kind of assumptions on her, and I feel like one of them is she must um, she'd be good for for sex and nothing else. Yeah, that is one of the perceptions that we put on women who drink the, who drink whiskey. I think. Yeah, and it's so kind of strange because. As you talk about in this episode that you listeners are about to hear, uh, women were so integral to bringing it to people. Were the ba- women were the backbone of why we drink whiskey today. Yeah, but it's somehow become lost from, from us. But I do think we are reclaiming it slowly. Yeah, there are so many rad women in whiskey. Um, yes. In D.C., the rod and rye that we were just talking about wanting to enjoy is made by a rad woman-owned whiskey distillery in D.C. called Republic Restoratives, where a proceed of the whiskey all goes to Emily's List, which is very yeah, cool. Yeah, that's um, awesome. So, yeah, you, I do think that you see a resurgence of women reclaiming our rightful spots in the whiskey empire. Yes. And you're going to hear Emily and Bridget unpack all of this so beautifully. And a little drunkenly. Yes, in the upcoming episode. So, enjoy. Cheers. 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 
Today, we have the really challenging topic to cover for you here today. We really went above and beyond to stretch our researching skills when it comes to the fascinating history of and future of whiskey and women. Yeah, don't ever say that we never, you know, did hard work in service of our podcast right. because we're telling you right now, we're here with a bottle of very nice whiskey mm-hmm. and we're going to taste a little of it. So just know that we... If we sound extra interesting today, that's why. <laughs> because we are sipping on a phenomenal bottle of Rodham Rye. You might have heard this make the news. That's Rodham as in Hillary Rodham Clinton uh, from the Republic Restoratives, uh, a local D.C. distillery that probably gifted us this beautiful bottle because they know knew we would be sipping on it on air. Um, but we are thrilled to be tasting this throughout today's episode, you know, for research. For research. But I also, on a serious note, before we go any further, I do want to make a little bit of an announcement just as a trigger warning for anyone out there who is struggling with alcoholism, addiction, who is, uh, you know, really committed to sobriety. This is probably an episode you want to skip, right? Yeah. I mean, you're not going to miss anything earth shattering, and we want to make sure that you protect your sobriety. So if that sounds like you, this would be a good time to say adieu, and hopefully we'll we'll hear you catch again. Catch you on the next we'll one. We'll catch you on the next one. Um, but for those of us who, I'm, I'm, so I'm biased on this episode. My bias that I'm bringing to this is that I'm a big whiskey drinker. And I'm looking at Bridget here, who's making a bit of a face. Well, okay, let me back up. So I actually <laughs> like whiskey. The reason why I don't love whiskey now is because I like it too much. You know when you have a bad experience with yeah. an alcohol and then like, so I... Yeah, everyone has one. Yeah, yeah, mine is, I'm like, and that's the thing is like when I go to bars, I love a whiskey shot. Really? Because like... Yeah, shot? I I still I I rock it college style. I'm still doing shots of Jameson. Oh my god! <laughs> okay, we have a different way of appreciating whiskey then. <laughs> but she's a beer connoisseur, a, so just so you know, Bridget's like if we ever do an episode on beer, Bridget's oh, gonna you. have me licked. Yeah. yeah. So this is a fun episode because I'm already feeling more fun right now. First yeah. of all, um, it's the whiskey. I'm having a bit of fun here, but um, I want to break down what can sometimes be a little bit of an intimidating liqueur for women especially there is a traditional masculinity to this drink don't you agree like i think so i think that we associate um i certainly associate whiskey with with masculinity oh you just emily just made a face i I needed to breathe (laughs) i inhaled in my glass for a second no but it's true like there has been a traditional male association this feels like a power broker's drink um i like to drink mine on the rocks we're drinking it neat today yeah but like Drinking a glass of just bourbon it feels like a grandpa move. Yeah, I mean, it, you know? it's a throwback to me of like, if you ever watched the show Mad Men, like oh, yeah. how executives are like drinking a whiskey at like four o'clock. Uh, Not you know. four o'clock, at like 12 o'clock. I mean, at like I, 11 o'clock. If I yeah. had a whiskey at noon at work, I would need to go home sick. Right. Well, <laughs> is that not what we're doing? I mean, it's, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's all right. Different. Yeah. Slightly different. But um, here's the thing there's a fascinating history behind women and whiskey, and the, the genderization of this beverage right. is really, really interesting. And I want to start um, by talking through prohibition. I think that's a good area to pick up this story. Lord knows the story goes back further, which we will. But during prohibition, um, this was a drink commonly served in gentlemen's parlors. Well, I, I shouldn't say during. I should say before prohibition. Right. This was a drink served in gentlemen's parlors, and women pretty much didn't uh, weren't allowed in there. Were not showing their face, especially 
ladies. Ladies. Real ladies didn't show their face there. So what kind of ladies were there were, were associated with there that There were then? a particular think of like um Boardwalk Empire, right? Okay. The women who were in gentlemen's clubs were professionals. Yes. If you know what I mean. Working girls. They were working girls. So these were there was a very strong association between a whiskey drink, which is pretty much exclusively served in bars and in and gentlemen's parlors, and prostitution. So the connection of sin was very easy for people to make during Prohibition. Sure. Because it was easy to say, you know, this is the liquor of the devil, and this is associated with loose women. And if you wanted to be a nice lady, this wasn't the kind of drink that you would ever be around. Um, Which I think is a big part of the reason that it was associated for gentlemen's only terrain. Right. That's so interesting because I hear a lot of... Like, even today, I hear a lot of women say things like, oh, dark liquors. Like, the idea of, like, a, a drink like vodka or gin being, like, a drink for ladies. Yeah, it's which like I also, Gimlet. Yeah. yeah, it's, like, more, more, yeah. And this, I love Boardwalk Empire, so I'm, I'm biased on that front, too. I keep thinking of Boardwalk Empire because during Prohibition, bootleggers were, like, the black market was big, yeah. right? Because no one really stopped drinking, or very few people actually stopped drinking. It just became illegal. Um, which we should talk about legalization mm. in another department at some point about that too. But so what's interesting here is, and this is a quote um, from, is it the NPR article I think I wrote? I, I didn't write. I read um, prostitutes were in fact some of the biggest powerhouse saleswomen in the United States, right? So Johns, as they call them, would come in and the prostitutes would start getting them liquored up in these gentlemen's clubs. Which makes sense if you're trying to make money. They earn commission. They do do that in like, like, you know, if if you're a girl who like dances, like that's a common thing. During this time, prostitutes legally sold whiskey and earned significant commissions for their brothels that they worked in at the time. So in New York City in the 1850s, for instance, women made more than two million a year in what? liquor sales. Oh my gosh. Which is close, uh, close but not quite as big as the three million that they were making for sex. Wow. Right? I so, mean, but yeah, but it's like, it's interesting how the two kind yeah. of like they industries hand go hand in hand. Exactly. And so this comes right out of this fascinating Atlantic article about women making whiskey. And, you know, back in the day, this, of course, caught the attention of the temperance movement ladies, who were the actually, you know, socially acceptable ladies, who played a key role in Prohibition from 1920 to 1933. Um, And during this time, you know, bootleggers also made a ton of cash from the selling of whiskey. Many of the leading bootleggers were, in fact, Women. Oh, I love that. Okay, someone needs to. I mean, I don't watch Boardwalk Make Empire, but someone needs to yeah. pitch a show about lady bootleggers. Lady bootleggers. I would watch that. Mm. Wait, so I sh- would I. <laughs> You're really appreciating this whiskey. It's really good. It's rye whiskey, which mm. is not usually my bag. I'm more of a bourbon girl, but I have to. You know, I have to expand my horizons. I have to expand my palate. It's really quite lovely. It's nice. Mm. It's smooth. Smooth. It's it's a blend of two different kinds of whiskey, which we'll talk about more. But uh, what I found fascinating here, to go back to the bootlegging component, did, did you need some? I want some. Okay, give me, give me. Uh, I'll pour it up. Pour it up, pour it up. I'm doing it. Um, all right. Kudos. Miss, uh, Miss Bridget hitting the old, yeah, the old sauce. Uh, the whiskey. Hitting the sauce. So, the reason lady bootleggers... <laughs> <laughs> it's 
it's really I don't it's it needs to breathe. It's smooth, but it needs to breathe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah definitely needs to breathe. Um the reason lady bootleggers were so instrumental in that very illicit enterprise was because police officers could not search them. Right. That was considered rude for a police officer to search mm-hmm. a lady. And so if you're a lady, you know, doing something illicit, you know, you might not get searched. Right. And I think at some point they even said it was illegal. Yeah. So searching a woman who was driving a car alone was actually illegal. Oh, wow. So it was like a social moray. It was a, it was a taboo thing to do to begin with. But especially if they were driving alone, you didn't have the right to search their car. I so, also, hello, I would have a whole team of women yeah. who are hauling my, my, my bootleg liquor all over Well, the what's country. interesting is how these women really made a rule that's like grounded in benevolent sexism work for them, right? This idea that, they like, really oh, did. like, you can't, like, you can't, like, you know, offend Ooh. this woman's delicate sensibilities yeah. by searching her because she's alone. And they're like, oh, cool. Let's cash in on that. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, anything that, like, that, like, be, like uses that in a subversive way, uses the rules it's that, like, are meant to keep women sort of in their Safe. place. You know? Yeah. I, I love that. I think it's fascinating. And it, Minnick, who wrote this great book, like, one of the leading and most recent books on women and whiskey, says that at one point, female bootleggers outsold men five to one. Wow. So, like, this was a real time for wealth creation for women in this tawdry, illicit, illegal industry. Yeah, so if, if that's the case, then, like, why do you think that we associate it so much with masculinity today. Well, those were women who were breaking the norm, who were taboo right. and were other, you know, for their industry, for sure. But I also think that over the years, especially in the 80s, right, the the whiskey drink was reserved for business dealings. Right. When there weren't really a lot of women in the C-suite who were power brokers right. slinging whiskey around. That started to change in the 90s and beyond when more women were in positions of power. We think of the whiskey summit that President Obama mm-hmm. had with Mitch McConnell. Was it Mitch McConnell? No, it was the super tan one. Good Lord, what's his name? He retired because he cried. Boehner. <laughs> He retired because he cried. Well, he, he retired and he cried. It was a direct correlation. Like, I once know. you cry, I'm you like, gotta go. Free association. You're done. <laughs> I thought it was really I'm cool how he cried. drunk right now, I think. You guys, <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm such a lightweight. Like, this is not a can't, joke. Can't confirm. She is. Uh, I may or may not be at least half drunk by now. I've had, like, three sips of whiskey. Um, it's good stuff, y'all. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, no, not to hate on Boehner for crying. I thought that was actually ma- one of the coolest things he's ever done is cry in public. Often, which he did frequently. Yeah, he anyway, cried a lot. Can't quite remember if it was Mitch McConnell or him. Probably McConnell. I think it was. From Kentucky? Yeah. He's from Kentucky, which, by the way, is where bourbon comes from. Bourbon is the American uh, whiskey that's right. strictly American. So you know you're drinking American if you're drinking bourbon. Bourbon. That's the difference between bourbon and whiskey, which I did Primarily. not know. I've been... I've been yeah have lost on that for a while. Right. And it's it's ingredients and spelling can change in the word whiskey and some of its scotch is made with malted barley while bourbon is actually distilled from corn also. So it's not scotch. We're talking about whiskey. But in terms of bourbon, it's especially in the US of A. Um, what were we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> whiskey. Oh, I think this is where I wanted to take a quick break. Anywho. Anyway. So I think it's fascinating to know there's this real political and gendered history of like women and whiskey have this bipolar relationship mm-hmm. over time during and leading up to prohibition you know only very bad socially unacceptable women were associated with the right. liquor and after prohibition it took like a long time for women to be in positions of power 
and then become more and more, um, you know, freely associated with whiskey. But it's still like that connotation of masculinity or bad women who drink whiskey. It endures. It endures. And I think what's cool is um, that's changing now, which we're going to talk about in a second. But also... That's not where whiskey originated from. Mm. Women were hugely involved in the original um, whiskey story in the United States. And we're going to talk about that when we come back from a quick water break. (laughs) (laughs) But in the meantime, let's hear a few words from our sponsors. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers... Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? (laughs) Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. And we're back from a little whiskey break. I mean, water break. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And what I think is fascinating is that even though during and after Prohibition, this sort of masculine reputation and connotation has stuck around when it comes to whiskey, what's important to note that Fred Minnick, who is the author of Whiskey Women, the untold story of how women saved bourbon, scotch, and Irish whiskey, um, is that... In early colonial days, before industrial distilleries were popular, quote, women were the first distillers. And again, that's so interesting because, you know, women have been integral in the in the whiskey business for a long time. And like, it wouldn't be what it is today without women. And yet they we still sort of, it's still thought of as very masculine. I know. Well, it just goes to show you how social narrative, like mm-hmm. public narrative, the stories we tell about Good woman, bad woman. Um, those are those they, are they are so powerful. enduring. Yeah, and like shaking that off. If something is associated with, with like bad women, right. that is like that will that has staying power. Well, it's a reframing of what whiskey means. Right. So in the prohibition era, whiskey meant prostitute. Whiskey meant bar, gentleman's salon, whatever you want to call it. Whis- whiskey was associated with sin. 
And if anyone's ever seen Guys and Dolls, I was in that musical rendition in my middle school <laughs> years. That what? was my introduction to Prohibition, <laughs> was being a What character were you? I, I was like, I had one line. Okay. I was like uh, one of the girls that followed Adelaide around. Okay. Um, man, that was a fun production, though. Shout out to South Windsor High School's, or not even high school, Timothy Edwards Middle School's oh. production. So here's the deal, right? So during Prohibition and after Prohibition, that was the association. That was the context that we gave whiskey. But back in the colonial days, whiskey equaled painkiller. Like Yay. whiskey was a medicine. So women distilled in their kitchens, used whiskey as a basic household painkiller. So if you had a scratch or a sore ear or a headache, Minnick says, a woman would give you whiskey. It was the Tylenol or the ibuprofen of the day. And this is really how I, one of the ways that I'm really familiar with whiskey because I, I have, I, I, even though I'm not a huge whiskey drinker, I always keep a little like maker's mark in the house because really? I do, yeah, I do think. And there's like, people are going to write in and be like, oh, there's no scientific evidence. I do think that if you're feeling sick, whiskey does help. Like if you have a, like a hot toddy, which FYI was a college nickname of mine because my last name is Todd. Um, <gasps> oh my God. I love that so FYI, much. FYI. Um, that's going to stick yeah, around, hot toddy. Let's hope so. I have a Girl. shirt, I have a shirt that's air, it's airbrushed on the back, ah, hot toddy. Send us your hot toddy swag. Okay. Um, I love it. But yeah, so, you know, if, you're, if you have a cold, you have a hot toddy. I had a toothache recently, a really bad toothache. No and way. someone was like, use a little whiskey. Like... They say that, like, um, back in the early days, this is a bad child-rearing advice, but, like, when a kid is... <laughs> they um, dip a pacifier. Yeah, in That's whiskey. now child abuse for the yeah, record. Don't do don't that. Do that don't, not do that. Don't follow that advice. But, yeah, yeah, I think that people... Like, I have been a long proponent of the medicinal and, like, household uses of whiskey. <sighs> There's so many parallels to weed right now that oh, I want to yeah. talk about, but we, ooh, this is a different episode. My mom, the registered nurse, um, used to be given by her mother and recommend for me like whiskey as a cramp aid so it was oh. connected to your period really as like and oh again, I'm so sorry you're having cramps here's a little bit of whiskey and it's so interesting <laughs> how like how like that is so feminized right like all so of feminized. these all of these things is like oh like a soothing cure right. or like a, 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 an aid for your cramps right. like it's so feminized and yet still it like persists this myth of like well it's changed isn't that fascinating how how like totally bipolar our relationship with women and whiskey has been over mm-hmm. the years so even though, like, you were considered basically a whore if you drank whiskey in the Prohibition era, in the late 1700s, American women were distilling so much at home that Fred Minnick is convinced he found the earliest form of dating site <laughs> in old newspaper ads in which men would literally put out an ad for their wife. They would be, like, searching for a wife, like, in the classifieds. And some of them specified a preference for women who could brew beer or distill spirits. Of course, in addition to being able to make clothes and churn butter and all that good stuff. I love it. Isn't like that hilarious? If you're a woman who makes good whiskey, get at me, right? Like, I love that. I That's know. hilarious. Y- y'all, put that in your profile <laughs> in, on Tinder or on Match or whatever and see how, see how, if it still works. So, It's funny that, like, whiskey had this very domestic connotation for a long time until it was reversed. And we have been coming back from the Prohibition-era reputation that whiskey had of being reserved for gentlemen only for a long time. I think that's sort of fascinating to say that that's the moment we're in right now. For me, I personally got into whiskey while on the campaign trail, which, by the way, was dominated by men. Like, I had mostly male colleagues. So back in 2008, I first started to drink whiskey just straight up on the rocks or neat and discovered just how broad of a palate that 
liquor can have, yeah. right? It's not like this disgusting medicine to throw back. Not that not to critique you right, for right. shooting it, but like actually there is like you can, if you good have whiskey, a good whiskey, good you whiskey. can sip it. And I think like I, I mm-hmm. have a similar kind of um, take when it comes to whiskey and sort of the, the role that it's played in politics. Like I, really? I have this memory of. Um, when I was working at the New Organizing Institute, putting on a, a, a boot camp for um, activists and organizers on the left, one of our uh, trainers, who was just like high up, like ran this like very very important campaign, mm. came and like brought all the stuff to make like um, Manhattan. That's whiskey, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so like it's, man- it's like whiskey and vermouth. Yeah. So like sure. was like shaking out these like really fancy Manhattans as people were like cranking out their like activist emails. And I call funny. it like a grandpa cocktail because it totally has an old yeah, leathery masculine does. reputation. Um, but guess what, Bridget? Guess who's bringing bourbon back? Ladies. The ladies. The ladies. So we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, we'll tell you just how powerful the female demographic has been in the remarketing of and the renaissance behind whiskey here in the U.S. of A. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands. Not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association member FDIC. So we're back, and we are doing our research as diligently as we can here to try try and understand why and how whiskey has become just as popular as it has amongst women in particular. So in an article from NPR from 2014, so the Renaissance really started to take off around 2013, 2014, uh, it was reported that worldwide sales of American-made whiskey – 
grew faster than any other distilled spirit in the past year at a rate of about 7%, which is huge. It is huge. According to people in the biz, um, in the bourbon biz. And Americans in general are sapping it up. We drink 24 million cases of domestically produced whiskey. Again, this is in 2013. I have a feeling the numbers are even bigger now. Yeah. Um, which is nearly a 30% increase from a decade ago. But notably, remember when we said earlier in this episode, like, people in positions in which they're brokering power agreements right. tend to drink this beverage, and therefore it would make sense that in the 90s and 80s and before, there weren't that many women represented at those ranks. And now There's, that, like, the right. women, women, working women have been in, like, other ranks of power, and so, like— right. It's so, increased. Yeah. Well, back in the 90s, only about 15% of whiskey drinkers were female. Now, uh, that represents about, we are 37%. Of wow. So that's a huge spike. Yeah. Huge, Women huge be spike. whiskying. I know. Are we alone in this? I, I hope not. No. So tell us, if you're a whiskey drinker out there, tell me what your favorite is. I remember when I was uh, consulting in a political environment. Um, it's so funny. This was 2012 now. I would on occasion have the ugh, so terribly difficult work of receiving gifts from some of my biggest clients oh, or like some no, of my biggest vendors. You. I know it was so hard. So the trend in DC in 2012 was cupcakes. Yes, it so was. How many boxes of sprinkles cupcakes can a can a gal eat? Yeah. Before you're like. Kind of enough with the cupcakes. Enough with the cupcakes. And you're talking to someone who's got the biggest sweet tooth in the world. But I remember I was at an event with some of my vendors and clients who I was working with, and I, I kind of gave them grief for sending me another box of cupcakes. I was like, yo, you got to cool it with the cupcakes. So what do they do? They say, what do you like? And I said, I'm really into bourbon right now. <laughs> <laughs> and that next week in the office shows up uh, a beautiful globe glass of Ooh. Blanton's, which to date is one of my faves. Um, they could have done, they could have like really like double crossed you and made you cupcakes with whiskey in them because you can do that and them. it's delicious. Yeah, yeah, those drunken cupcakes. Yeah, they're right? delicious, yeah. Are, what a cool combination yeah. of things. It's like two of your it's like. You yeah. can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. And it's sort of, it, I find it fascinating how much um, whiskey has become now this, like, cool girl drink. Mm-hmm. Is, it, is it annoyingly meta for me to say that? Is, am I calling that? You're, you're cool? basically complimenting yourself. Humble that's brag. Okay. No, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I can dive into this a little bit. Yeah. Like, certainly, like, you know, you think of women like Christina Hendricks from Mad Men. Mm-hmm. Um, Mila Kunis has a very, like, like, like sensual. She's the Jim Beam honey voiceover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she's got a very sensual ad where she's talking about, like, mm. the devil's cut. Like, you know, you know yeah. what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and people think she's, like, the foxy. People think she's, like, a foxy babe. Yeah, yeah. she's totally she a foxy Shout babe. out to yeah, her. Yeah. Um, Hillary also has known to sling it back, which yeah. is part of the reason I think the Rodham Rye whiskey got its name. Of course, it also came out after the election. So yeah. I think it was someone's uh, way of making the world just a little better. A little bit brighter for all of us whiskey-loving gals out there. And Lady Gaga and even Duchess Kate is known to like whiskey. So there's this connotation of high-powered women everywhere savoring their whiskey. But isn't it a little bit of, like, cool girl where it's like, oh, like... She's not like I, other girls. I'm not like other ladies. Keep your, keep your like, gin and tonic, ladies. That's for that's for girly girls. Or, like, I'll have a apple teenies. Yeah. Remember in the 90s when, like... Um, Cosmos. What, Cosmopolitan... What was that show? Sex, Sex in the, in the City. City. yeah. Made Cosmos so big. And now this is, like, the anti-Cosmo. It's so true. I mean, is I, pitting women against women. And I, I, I always hate that. And also, I'm someone like I so first of all I'm a big drinker I love to drink like not like not like in a problematic way although Would you like to go although like mm, maybe <laughs> <laughs> but no so I I just enjoy going out drinking and I'm someone who like I'm 
I know a lot about beer. beer. I know I've a lot about this, beer. Yeah. I've like been quietly sitting on the sidelines of many a beer conversation. I'm like, uh-huh. I know a lot about beer. Um, but also like I so like I lo- I enjoy a fancy beer. I enjoy a fancy like cocktail. But I'm also like I could get down with like, you know, an apple, an apple teeny. Like I'm not above that. Like I just I don't like the idea of like oh, I don't like, like that either. Um, I have a funny story about that. Once I was in Vegas with friends, and there were this there was this group of like very like Vegas style like girl like you know like woo, woo girls yeah like woo, woo girls like a large girls. group of yeah. girls like out <laughs> on the town, and they went up to the bartender and they were like, "Can we get a was it um." RBC and the bartender was like, "What's an RBC?" And they were like, "Oh, you don't know? It's Red Bull Cranberry Vodka." And so we were like, "Oh, it's so like I found this interaction so hilarious." And so to kind of like, and this is like not, me not being a great feminist. Yeah, okay, is there judgment there? So I was like a little judgy. <laughs> so then making fun of these girls all night, we were like ordering this drink to be funny, and then later we realized we're ordering them because we like them. We're not. That's we're not funny. like it's. We started as like mocking, but then we were like, "Oh, these girls are like clearly I, on to I something." I cannot get on board with Red Bull mixed with any kind of alcohol because that is an upper and a downer and then my heart does not like you're that. You're like, a Red Bull belongs in the trash. Yeah, <laughs> like your heart does not want to play that game. But yes. No, I think, it, I think it's interesting as much as it is problematic to say like there's this Elite Daily article which Elite Daily, I mean, gag. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like I want to roll my eyes pretty much every time I click on a link. But I did it for the podcast and they have an article called 10 Reasons to Always Go out with a girl who drinks whiskey and like whiskey drinking girls are so cool because they're not like other girls and then they like sort of talk up the tomboy thing and how it's sexy and mysterious and all of these like bizarre connotations which is basically saying ladies whiskey is associated with power which is fair to say because that is historically true so women who drink whiskey tend to be more powerful but I think the better way or tend to like do so because there's this powerful connotation but that doesn't mean Anything, actually. That's that's a connotation. It's a reputation. It might not be at all factual. The better way to do it is what Women Who Whiskey is doing. Like these clubs. Like social clubs for women. These social clubs for women who want to explore the... Um, you know, the the medium? <laughs> I don't know. Like, who want to get into whiskey? <laughs> Did you just describe whiskey as a medium? <laughs> as a medium for power broking? <laughs> that is the most DC thing ever. <laughs> um, but who want to get into whiskey but might be a little intimidated because it is kind of a bold drink choice. Um, They've got meetup groups. They've got a cool Instagram account. They've got like a whole community cropping up around women and whiskey. And my favorite part of the whiskey renaissance that's being led in great part to women drinking whiskey more than ever before is the fact that women are also stepping into leadership positions. Yeah, at distilleries. At distilleries and from an entrepreneurial standpoint. So we've got Becky Harris, the co-founder of Catoctin Creek Distillery in Virginia. Also, it's very much around the D.C. area. Yeah. I have to say, like, that is pretty cool. I mean, D.C. Kentucky, politics kind of, like, f- is, like, fueled by whiskey, I believe. Right. We've got Meredity Mer- Grelly of Weigel or Wiggle Whiskey. <laughs> is it called Wiggle Whiskey? I would totally drink that. <laughs> She's from Pittsburgh. Um, W-I-G-L-E, just to get that straight, whiskey in Pittsburgh. And we've got big name spirits companies are also filling top spots with women like Marion Barnes, um, the master taster now at Brown Foreman's Bourbon Whiskey Brands. Nicole Austin has found her niche as whiskey consultant. She's also the master blender at Kings County Distillery in Brooklyn. And we've got to give a shout out to the two female co-founders of Republic... 
restorative. Yeah, which is makes the delicious whiskey that we're enjoying today, Radam Rye. Right, which is run and owned by Pia and Rachel. So Pia Carusson and Rachel Gardner. And I love this article in The Washingtonian um, that came out, I think, in March, saying DC distiller names whiskey after Hillary Clinton. And it's not just after Hillary Clinton, notably. It's about, it's her, it's named after her maiden name. Yeah. Rodham, which I think is a power move. Definitely. Um, so they'd already been known to, and Hillary also has been known to throw back the occasional whiskey. So they came up with this idea for Rodham Rye, which they launched it around the inauguration. And I've been trying to get my hands on this, by the way, for a long time. Good thing you have a podcast now. I know. <laughs> um, my bias here is that like, I've been trying to find a bottle, but it's been really hard to find because it flew off the shelves. Um, and it's not just named well, it's also blended well. It's a cool like combination of one-year-old rye and three-and-a-half-year-old rye from Tennessee. So it's the tagline is, a selection of whiskeys that are stronger together than apart. Oh, I know. Guys. And, the, and, and the best part is a 5% of their proceeds from the bottles go to Emily's List. I love it. So, so by buying a bottle of this whiskey, you're actually going to support um, pro-choice Democratic women in politics. This is my favorite way to support any women via whiskey yeah like i will (laughs) gladly um get behind rotten rye so and i can now attest that it tastes delicious very smooth (laughs) they didn't put us up to this for the record honestly i'm saying that like i'm able to drink this and not think of the night that i ended my night vomiting because of too much whiskey (laughs) that means i really am enjoying it profusely um well i think we've arrived at the end here. I hope you've left with a, a greater appreciation. I certainly have with um, women's like fascinating historical relationship with whiskey and know that this renaissance of bourbon and of whiskey drinks here in the U.S., you know, in, are, is in no small part due to women. So women as consumers, women as distillers, women as leaders in large spirits companies, more power to you. Um, and really, in so many ways, this is us coming full circle when it comes to, like, women were at the at the starting block in terms of whiskey here in the U.S. of A. And we're back. We're just being good patriots. We're back. We're being good patriots. I love it. We would love to hear about your experiences with whiskey. Have you, you know, dr- have you been judged by drinking it? Like, do you feel more powerful when you drink it? Who are your favorite whiskey drinking ladies on TV? We want to know all of this and more. Snap us a pic of you drinking your favorite whiskey or your favorite bottle of whiskey. You can tag us on Instagram at Stuff Mom Never Told You. Um, tweet us about your whiskey habits uh, at Mom Stuff Podcast. Or send us an email just, you know, with your favorite, if you're a distiller, your favorite whiskey recipe or any combination therein. MomStuff at HowStuffWorks.com. And as always, of course, just like Bridget and I, we want to encourage you to drink responsibly. Oh, yeah, we should say that. Um, but drink boldly, my friends. So cheers to all the women who love whiskey. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC.
The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.